you were caught trying to steal the Shankara stones. There were five stones in the beginning. Over the centuries, they were dispersed by wars, sold off by thieves like you. Thieves like me, huh? Ha! Still missing, too. A century ago, when the British raided this temple and butchered my people, a loyal priest hid the last two stones down here in the catacombs. So that's what you've got these slaves digging for, huh? They're innocent children. They dig for the gems to support our cause. They also search for the last two stones. Soon we will have all the five Shankara stones. And the Thuggies will be all powerful. What a vivid imagination. <laughs> you... don't believe me? You will, Dr. Jones. You will become... a true believer. <laughs> Welcome to episode 39 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? As always, I'm your host, Becca, and joining me are Chris and Dave. Hi! Hello! Good evening, folks. This week, we are off to Shanghai and then India as we discuss Temple of Doom. As always, the movie stars Harrison Ford, Kate Capshaw, Jonathan K. Kwan, David Yip, and some names I can't pronounce. Um, Can you stick up up then? David (laughs) Yip? David Yip! (laughs) She's going to do it again when she gets to the writers, I think. Oh, dear. Yeah, so also starring Amish Puri and Dan Aykroyd, if you can spot him in a cameo. This movie written by William Hike. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Must stop drinking all that lemonade. Anyway, also written by Gloria Katz, mainly for knowledge of India. Um, story by George Lucas, directed by Steven Spielberg, and released in 1984. So the movie is as old as me. Wow. What do we think of the film? Um, Dave, do you want to go first? Because I know this is probably the least favourite of the three films. I can, I'm only going to refer to them as the three films until we get them before, but... <laughs> yeah, there's four of them, unfortunately. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is the first one, well, it's not the first one I saw, but it, I, I saw Raiders one night and walked in to see this the very next day. Um, I was about seven years old, and at the time, I enjoyed it just fine, and when there were only two of them, certainly it could have set up a world where, or a continuity where he was in it was almost in a different style every every film i mean it starts off with him dressed in a white tux and a sort of very 1930s interpretation almost of james bond and then it goes on to something very different to what we got last week um but uh, to the point that you might not have even expected him to end up in his sort of classic outfit if you'd gone in without seeing any marketing uh, the thing is, though, four or five years after this, we've got a film much more in the style of the first one 
with, you know, Indy fighting the Nazis and a lot of it set outdoors. Crystal Skull, I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much now because, frankly, I've not eaten yet and I don't want to turn my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is in some ways more in keeping. The, the two things that make it not in keeping is that it, there's some very fakey CG in it and Harrison Ford's 20 years older. If they had made an Indiana Jones film in, let's say, 96 and maybe another one in... 2003 crystal skull would have looked much more of a piece regardless of its quality this film now just stands out like a sore thumb because it, it it's mainly sat on shot on sound stages it's set largely indoors as a result um it's very slight it's tonally absolutely all over the place which we'll we'll get to when we go through it because it's at once the most juvenile and kiddie and by far the darkest and it's i don't have a lot of fun with it anymore harrison ford's really good in it but you know it it's like having a it's like having a decent bond film but like stacy sutton's in every single scene <laughs> and that's a bit what it's like and i've just got real problems with the film now and it's one that i genuinely think when you watch the original 3 if you've got no overriding nostalgia for it or particular interest in the story you can kind of skip it and as we get to when we go through it, it's bordering on the racist anyway. So, yeah, I'm not a great lover of this. I'll say it's fair, it's fair dues to Kate Capshaw, really, because obviously, I mean, much with, um, you know, Stacey Sutton and the view to a curl, yeah, the performance is so memorable because it is so bad. All she does is scream, and the same with Willie here in this film. Literally, she's, you know, she famously criticised her own performance and she's basically a screaming dumb blonde. She did what she was asked uh, to do to be well, exactly, fair. We, we, we look at some of the Bond girls over the years and they went, they cast her, she's not even an actress. Well, Kate Court Capsule's an actress. She's not the problem. The character is written as the yeah, problem. It's, it's exactly. I mean, she does a memorable performance as a really, you know, loathsome mm. character who just basically screams right. her way through the movie. But it's, you know, kudos to her that she puts in that really memorable performance. I so. mean, what, what, I, what I would say before I just hand over to Chris, though, is that if I were to sort of summarise it, you've got a master filmmaker masterfully making a bad film. And I, and I really mean that. The, the, the set Steven Spielberg has made better set pieces than you get in the fourth episode. Um, it, it's, you know, it is, but it, I, I like some of the films we've, we've discussed in the previous series, less than the sum of its parts. So it's a bad film, exceptionally well made. I mean, I, I still have fun with uh, Temple of Doom. I think that, that, to me, that's kind of more what it is. It's more like the enjoyable romp of the indie series, um, it's it's yeah, it's very right. It's very tonally different. Uh, it's very much very much more comic booky. I mean, this last week was kind of based much more on a like a, a like a serial saga type um, type thing. It's more of a tribute to that. This is very much more comic book. This is like in, in tone. Um, it's it it doesn't it doesn't quite have the the hard grittiness. There the, the, there is some of that there, but. Uh, you know when they start like sort of throwing themselves out of a plane uh, <laughs> using nothing but a, like a, a rubber ding you know it's, it, it gets a bit okay beyond the realms of reality um, but you know what it's still very, it's, it still goes along at a steady pace it's very enjoyable um, I Willie does not annoy me as much um, I, though I do understand the criticisms and I, and I do I do actually agree because it, it did occur to me after watching it recently um, she's let down by by a, just a bad script, you know. Um, I think they set Willie up to be, yes, she's she's annoying, she's selfish, 
she screams all the time. She's, you know, um, but I think they set her up to kind of like for for that to kind of for her to kind of change and find herself. But the, the film never really gets to that for her. They just sort of spend, oh well, you know, they, more, they really, they really focus more on short round a little bit, a bit more, which is okay. But you know, you need to give Willie something to do. Um, well, I think the point is, Chris, I mean, uh, it really hit me today watching it because I watched it. I think two of the three of us at least have actually watched it today right before mm. recording. And I think you only watched it like, you know, in the last day or two yourself, Chris. Yeah, I just, at least um, you just watched it as well. Huh? Oh, OK. So all Let's three. Be fair, of... You have been on holiday. So. <laughs> I watched it twice before when on holiday and uh, and now. I, I watched it. I watched it around that time and I watched it again today, which I don't begrudge doing. It's, it's, it's not a particularly painful experience, but. Um, they find, we meet Mola Ram, and we'll get to it, as I say, when we go through the film, but we, we take just over an hour to meet Mola Ram, and narratively, nothing happens in the film after that, really. Um, so there's no room for any redemption of, of the Willie Scott storyline. Well, there, there's, there's, a, there's a moment, that there, is a, there is a part in it where I, where I generally think, all right, here's what it could have been, but they, they decided to do something else. And it'd make it a bit more of a short round thing. Um, I'll be interested to get to it. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it for when we, you know, go through the film. But uh, yeah, there is a moment I thought, like, you could have done that, or you could have just changed things slightly if you were thinking about if you were following through character. Uh, and I think it would have made her as a character more satisfying because, like, I think I think you're not alone in um, the character where it's got being really, really annoying. But I think actually had that turn, had that kind of like lesson of like actually no i'm gonna have like have a hero moment i think you know she is annoying chris but i think some of it is where the series goes afterwards like i say if the third indiana jones film had featured uh, a, a completely different type of storyline again and maybe before we get into the film scene by scene we'll, we'll talk maybe a little bit about the conception of this film then maybe it would just be well they're playing in different keys each time, but of course this now stands out very differently. Becca, you really really loved Raiders. What did you make of this? Um, yeah, for a long time this has probably been okay. If, if you're gonna, I went well. I rank them now. Obviously, this one was always last on the list. It seemed to be replaced by Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> um, yeah, I just got. I used to think. This was pretty much like the worst of the lot. Um, obviously, until Crystal Skull came out, it was just totally all over the place. Like, um, there's the Indiana Jones movies have always had the same kind of tone. Obviously, it's meant to be a kind of like a boy's own adventure, cliffhanger ending, that sort of style. And this one was just so wildly different. I just, I'd never really liked it at all. But like watching it this afternoon, I was a little bit like, hmm, actually, no, there are enjoyable parts to it. Um, so I've kind of come to it with fresh eyes. I can kind of um, got so a renewed, it, renewed appreciation for it, yeah. to be honest. It's a fun ride. I mean, it's not. It's yeah. not. It's not like the high quality of say Raiders or Next Week, which no. is not painful. Yeah, I mean, it, no, it, no, it's not. It, as as an actual popcorn blockbuster, you know, it, it fits the bill. You know, and and it's like Harrison Ford in the Hat and the Whip. You know. You know, yeah. you're happy. Well, you know, it's a, I, 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 that's I, what it says on the tin. Yeah, face in a new place, facing uh, a new uh, new villain. You know, do, do, doing his thing, and it's kind of just what you want. I mean, it's it's got some fun set pieces. Uh, it's I think it's, it has some very memorable set pieces actually. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I think some people maybe prefer Temple of Doom as well. So I think it's probably. I've, I've heard podcasts from people who do. 
Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, uh, amongst, like, really... I mean, this has, like, a cult status, isn't it, amongst the, the certainly the core three films. Um, for a lot of people, this is their number one. I can I can see why, personally, it's not my favourite. Um, but it's it's enjoyable, nonetheless. When you look at it as a quartet now, as, as, it, as it is, and we are getting another Indiana Jones film uh, in a while, which will sort of will append to this series when we get there. But when you look at it as a quartet, this of the four doesn't feel like an Indiana Jones film across the four. And the fourth one feels like it's doing a weak impression of an Indiana Jones film. And which one I'll struggle with more is actually a bit more up in the air than than you might think. Okay. We'll get to it. Mm. This, <laughs> film was, um, this film was released in 1984. At the time, uh, George Lucas, who's the producer on this film, and as we go through it, I'll be arguing his fingerprints are much more on it. Than, than perhaps Raiders, or certainly the George Lucas we've come to know through the prequels. Because he's the t- had a, you know, he's obviously just finished Star Wars, so he probably had more time and hands to... Yes. Yeah, to mess around with it. To meddle, yes. so, so um, yeah. sounds bad, but yeah. Yeah. This film um, is about 8 to 10 million more expensive than last week's. A lot of that is, is quite simply, Harrison Ford gets an extremely bad injury during the uh, making of this film. We'll talk to it when we get there. Um, so there was a five-week delay. They shot what they could. An awful lot of the minecart chase and the fight just before it isn't him. And a lot of sort of insert shots afterwards. Uh, but it's also they had location issues because India would it demanded final cut and changes to the script and so on because they said it, this script is racist. The, the dinner scene, the, these are not Indian foods. No, well, they um, the word of the use of the word Maharaja, didn't they, originally? So I didn't read that, did they? Yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah that's one of the sort of many script changes they wanted to make. Um, and also, I think it, it was banned in India for a few years, obviously, now that's been lifted. But, yeah, locations. Sorry to in, in, about the scene. When, when was um, Octopussy? You know, it's your favourite Bond film, Dave. But, um, uh, previous but when, year. year. Octopussy is eighty three. This is eighty four. So, so Octopussy uh, did something similar with the, uh, the with the dinner scene, with in terms of like eating the eyeball kind of thing. Mm. Do you think that possibly inspired it somewhat? And they just kind of went out. Oh, oh, oh. uh, no mention of Bond in this. I mean, we know Spielberg at least is is interested in the Bond series. Um, I just think it's it's a couple of filmmakers who, who, in the nicest possible way, haven't really grown up. So they had to they had to do this. To, to see, they're like, wouldn't it be amazing if they're all eating gross things? And it and it's just it's a little bit childish, really. And it's I have this problem sometimes in the horror genre that. Instead of being scared, I'd just sit there watching it and going, I'll fucking grow up. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, But, yeah, so it was a vastly more expensive film, or or significantly more expensive, but we're still not talking Empire Strikes Back's Return of the Jedi level of budget. It's still trying to do it relatively cheaply and old school. 80% of it is shot on sound stages, which is a notable departure from the previous film. And when I think of Last Crusade, I think of them outside on the bike and all that sort of thing. So it 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 looks a very different film. But the other thing to note about about it is is two things. Firstly, um, Spielberg and Lucas were both going through painful breakups in their personal lives. Lucas was divorcing or being divorced by Marsha Lucas, his his then wife. She was um, she was the uh, editor on the original Star Wars film. And is credited in many quarters with saving that film in the edit. 
Um, so he was not in the best of moods, and Spielberg was going through a painful breakup with Amy Irving, who's probably known best for her role in the original Carrie film, the 1976 film. Although they did get back together and marry the next year, uh, which led to one of the most expensive divorces in Hollywood history about four years afterwards. So they weren't in a good place. And uh, the, so that's that accounts for the darkness of the film. The other thing we need to bear in mind is a year after Raiders, uh, not only was he hot off doing Raiders, but Steven Spielberg released E.T., which was the biggest film ever made at that time. So there is some evidence that they were rushing to get this film written before they lost Spielberg to some other project because he was in not a specific project, but in general, we've got to get get him locked down now. Well, he gets too Kasdan, big for his boots, kind of thing. Yeah, Lawrence Kasdan wanted nothing to do with it because once he started talking story outlines with them, he just said they he said that they were mean and too dark, and he wanted nothing to do with the way this film was going. So he got in the two writers uh, Becca mentioned at the outset of the show who, you know, wrote things like the Radioland murders. Their, their, their filmography isn't as strong. But that, that's how we end up with uh, Temple of Doom in 1984. It was a deliberate attempt to distance itself from the previous film. It's set as a prequel because cause it's set the year before Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's for two reasons. Um, I never is, understood that. I was like, well, what was the point of that? It's two, re- two reasons that I understand. Bear in mind, the first film set in 1936. The world politically is hotting up around then. How do you go forward in time two or three years and not tell another story about the Nazis? We're set three years on from Raiders. I mean, if you went three years on from 1936, you've got mm-hmm. the breakout of World War Two. So a prequel was partly, uh, and I've, I've, I've heard this on special features and so on, to avoid using the Nazis again. The second reason, I, as I understand it, is that the argument was Indy wouldn't leave Marion. So if you want a different girl, it's got to be set before. Yeah. I, I suppose that's... Um, I'm not sure if it's intentionally, but it, it feels very much like... This is like... Uh, Willie's not like a, the love of his life. It very much just feels like... She's uh, struggling a bit of a to be fling. the this week. Yeah. It's like, and, and it's not like in a bad way. It's like they both like know exactly what it is. I think we, it's just like they're just having a bit of like a kinky fun, really. You know, just like kinky fun, kinky fun. I tell you what, we'll go, to, we'll go to a, a cursed temple and fuck. <laughs> That'll be bugs and shit. It'll be awesome. Like... <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, it, it is a very very different film right from the outset. It's got the feeling more to me of like a caper in the, you know, they end up where they end up through happenstance and this adventure unfolds to them. He kisses the girl at the end of it, cue credits, that's mm. it. it. It's a lot more disposable, not just because of its quality, but it, it just feels more disposable than it, Raiders. It feel, I mean, they're all kind of standalone films, but this feels a bit more like... I've, in my head, because I, I think strangely, so forgive me, forgive me, listeners. I, I do think like a little bit kind of like off kilter. But this kind of feels like if there was like if this was like a TV show, this feels like more like as a regular one-off episode, as opposed to like sort of like the regular um, the the regular continuous episode you have that would be connected to to everyone. Everything else would be more Nazi related. I would have thought it's that kind of thing. I felt I got from this, but this felt very much like a it's a it's it's a one off. It's like one and done kind of like uh, entry rather than like 
uh, a continuation of the Indiana Jones uh, story. It's rather like, hey, well, here's another adventure kind of thing. So, um, if that makes any sense, I don't know. But... It, it, it's, it's Goldfinger between From Russia With Love and Thunderball. You know, yeah. in that, like, he, he takes on the Nazis, sort of. I mean, Belloc isn't isn't quite sympathetic to the Nazis. No. And Last Crusade's kind of almost like a rematch. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know? He actually gets to meet and, Hitler, doesn't he, pretty much? And the two go together. It's Mr. Bronson to you, Becca. <laughs> Mr. Bronson, yeah, it's Mr. Bronson to you, yes. Mr. Bronson. Yes, I to have some respect for the Fuhrer. <laughs> Mr. Bronson to you. <laughs> he go, after what he did to Danny Kendall... <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, um, shall we discuss this film sequentially? Yeah, why not? Oh. No, let's not do that. Let's do something else. Okay, okay. okay right. So, four-fifths uh, of the way through the film. <laughs> let's start at the beginning. So, he gets the girl. No, so we, uh, we it, it's, it, again, this is like another thing of, um, this film kind of starts off really oddly. It's, it's not in the way you expect it. It starts off with a random musical number. I can imagine people walking in after watching Raiders, really, really enjoying it. Oh, great! It's a sequel. I can imagine they're sitting in in the in the cinema in 1984, thinking, right, great, new Indiana Jones film. It starts, and it's like a minute into it, thinking, have we got? Have we? Is this the right film? Have they put the right thing in? Check the number of the screen (laughs) you've walked into. I'm sure it's screen one. Yeah. Like is this right? Is, is, is there has there been some sort of mistake? Have they got the right wheel? Or... <laughs> uh... Obviously, we didn't have the internet back then, or, or certainly not in its modern form. Um, but I, I do remember pre-internet, and we did still see reviews, and we did still see commercials for things. So I think, in reality, this wouldn't have happened. But I do wonder. This film is quite well set up that if you go in having seen no press and promotion for it, you just know that the next film in the series has come out. Whether you'd remember that the previous one was 1936, I don't know. So whether you'd even twig this as a prequel, because I didn't for quite a while. Um, And then he sits down in a white tux, and you think, well, it's kind of a period Bond film, with a little bit of, I don't know, Charlie Chan or something thrown in. And it starts with this musical number, which I believe is Lucas's idea. It just feels so different. I I like it a lot. I mean, the Paramount logo, instead of dissolving, well, not dissolving, instead of transitioning to a mountain, it transitions to like a big gong in this like restaurant stroke cabaret bar. You've got like the film title in that classic like Indiana James typeface as well, haven't you? Like for the and first she time. Stood, and she stood through it as well. Yeah. She actually obscured yeah. some of it. I have to say, and this will be really controversial, this is my favourite opening of any of the Indiana Jones films. <gasps> no, it's understandable because it is really, really good. It's really yeah. fantastic and, and 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 kind of it even though it's random, it's it yeah, I think I understand because I know you like films that take risks and this does take a risk of like let's just be completely different and i, I don't I, demand risks but i i respect yeah having a go yeah. and i i just think it was i think either i think lucas and spielberg were probably thinking right we're gonna this one's gonna be a lot more adventurous a bit more of a, a fun kind of romp uh so and i reckon they just like no i've always wanted to do musical number should we, should we open with a musical number? Yeah, why the fuck not? I think that's what's basically what they did. It's everything about, it's everything about it, though, because it looks beautiful. Yeah. It looks really classy. 
and the interplay at the song goes into almost like a dream sequence element to it, mm. which has got all the sparkles in the floor and the wall that actually at once makes it look like there's a bit of grain or something on the film. So it looks old, but it looks classy at the same time. And then the scene that follows it is fantastic. What did you think, Becca? Well, yeah, it's an amazing tribute to those kind of like RKO classic um, musicals of like the 30s and 40s, isn't it, really? So, um, no, I quite like it, actually. I think, well, it's amazing for Cape Capital to learn is it Chinese and like Mandarin, I suspect, because really a difficult language to learn. And imagine, you know, let alone to sing anything that is in foreign language. We had, we had a listener language. request, didn't we, for Chris to do the song in Mandarin? Yes, we did. <laughs> we, had a, we had a listener request because our listeners also believe you have the voice of an angel. <laughs> Or, or, or maybe just like torture. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So Kate Capshaw learned learned this and sang it in Mandarin. The only thing that's missing that was planned was there was supposed to be she was supposed to tap dance in this more, but oh, the dress was dress is just too restrictive around her yeah. legs. She couldn't. Very glamorous costumes though. One thing one thing I will say about this film, um, yeah, every like costume is amazing, especially like the dresses that she wears. I mean, fair enough, they kind of end up ruined at the end. I think one of them was eaten by an elephant. Or something like that. <laughs> they had to they had Great to repair memories. it because this was shot last. Yeah. So you see it hanging over a tree, and the elephant eats it. And I was only re- I was only reading today. It's on Wikipedia. You can all go and find this. Uh, when they were talking, I didn't get all my information from Wikipedia, but I did read the page just before we recorded. Uh, the elephant they they that was a one off dress, so they claimed for it on insurance, and they had no choice. <laughs> To write the cause of the damage as eat dress eaten by elephants. By elephants. <laughs> so they had to fix it for this dance scene. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, no, I, I like the fact elephants. that the, um, the elephants. Oh dear. No, they're very lovely. Um, I like they're the fact that the club's called. Um, no, they don't. Surprisingly <laughs> <laughs> enough. I'm right. never eating that again. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it's called Obi Wan Club too. Yeah, there's a reference yeah. to uh, to Star Wars. Uh, was well, there another reference to Star Wars in the Raiders as well? There was like R two and I believe. I think it's where they go to pick the Ark up from the Well of Souls. Mm-hmm. It's in the sort of hieroglyphics on the wall. Yeah, I've always yeah, I've, not, I've seen it. photos. I've seen photos of it. You can search it if if you've never noticed it. You can search it and call up an image search of it. But I've certainly never noticed it whilst watching the film. Yeah, I think it's probably just blinking and miss it kind of thing. Um, yeah, and then uh, you know where to look for it. Uh, the, the thing, I mean, yeah, it's very Bondian, um, uh, but I kind of like it. It's very fun, very kind of, uh, you know, with the, the deal with the poison and the antidote and all, all that kind of stuff. What, why why he's bothered by a diamond, I don't know, but he, who cares, quite frankly. It, it's, it's, it's just the way they're going to pay him yeah. for this item. And they use that circular thing you sort of see in some Chinese restaurants. Is it Lazy there. Susan? Is that what it's called? I don't know what they're called, but the centre bit of glass yeah. on a table that you can move food around to each other yeah. when you're sat yeah. around a circular table. And it's a small and obvious yeah. detail, but they could have just sat at a regular table and done that, and it wouldn't have been the same. No. And it makes it more tense, though, I think, doesn't it? Well, the shifting of the table goes in time with, like, moving the camera back and forth between them. It does. Um, And we believe... Willie Scott is sort of set up as Lao Che, he's called um, Mistress, I think, because Indy grabs her and sort of sticks, like, a fork in her side. (laughs) She's done. (laughs) Yeah. I wish I had been. (laughs) But it's great. Basically, he's gone there to give an item to Lao Che in 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 uh, 
What's, what am I yeah, trying to say? He's returning the ashes of like the the um, founding emperor of whatever that he's associated. Yeah, the first dynasties of China. Yeah, yeah, and Lao Che basically gives him the diamond, but then has poisoned him. Yeah. So they <laughs> they toast it with a glass of champagne, and then they all start giggling. And I love that. I just love the way he says, and now you give me the diamonds. He's like, never. What's that? It's the antidote to the poison what? you just The poison yeah. you just struck. It is like, fiendishly evil. Would know. And he's such a bastard. He doesn't even do it. He just continues laughing. He's like, <laughs> whatever. No, he's, he's like movie villain, you know. And, and Harrison and, Ford is feeling the effects before he knows he's feeling the effects. Yeah. And that he starts grabbing at his collar. And he's like... He's starting to sweat, but he doesn't know anything's wrong yet. It's it's no. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah um, I think he does give a good performance in, in this movie. I think so. It's uh, he, he likes to. Uh, he's he's really good at like kind of like uh, comedic sort of bumbling around, but while like being physically fighting, um, he's very good at doing that. Mm. Um, and uh, I think I think. It, but what also plays about this scene is, don't you just want to see the villains come back? Like I've always felt like, oh no, but I want to see them come back in another film. I want, I want, I want to see indie fit like you know. I want, want to. I want... You could have set up quite a universe when you think about it. Not a universe; it would still be all based around yeah. indie. Yeah. But if if you'd knocked out five or six of these films, let's say in in a much more truncated time frame than we're going to get, he could have had like villains in different parts of the world that sort of dipped in and out of different stories. Yeah. It had it had this, had it gone like a bit more Bondy and there's like there's been there's loads of these it like it went you could have you could have built more of that really couldn't you um, it could have been a, it could have been his rogues gallery yeah yeah it really could have yeah I quite like that idea I never thought of it before brilliant yeah I know I I I just I just always wanted to see them return because because they're, they're in this like one scene in the, in the entire uh, franchise of the indie series and I just uh, I was like oh but they're so fiendishly devious and evil. I kind of want. I kind of want to see them get their comeuppance. I yeah. want to see them come back for another film and Indy get his like, you know, fight him again. It's his revenge against them. Yeah, because it's. I, you know, I mean, I, I suppose it's like it, it's probably better that they just they have this time because they, they are really memorable as well. Um, I think for the test, it's testament to to the actors and the uh, and scene itself, just how memorable they are in the in that short space of time that they have. Yeah, it's a um, shame that we don't see them again. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. That's what that's. How I feel, really. I just, I just, I just I would would have been would have been nice had they say had as as Last Crusade opened, it would have like, and it's another scene involving them, you know. They could have been a pre-title in another film. Yeah, in, in it could have been like pre-title language. villains, like yeah. essentially. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, but just but yeah, it's um, it's a shame, but hey, but uh, I, I really really like the scene, um, and yeah, and any scene that gets away with punching a random woman in the face, I'm in. <laughs> and, and again, yeah. the dialogue is very. Um, the dialogue is very B movie, and you and you forgive it because of what this series is. So last week we've got Belloc saying we're not so different, you and I. And when somebody says that to James Bond, well, I'm fucking furious. But I was absolutely fine with it in that context. And of course, David Yip's character gets shot uh, yeah. as champagne corks are going off, and he's like, he he just come over with a glass of wanked off, not fingered for a <laughs> And um, first known uh, appearance of that drink, and um, as he what, gets shot, is he the like, same guy in had... View to a Kill? Forgive me for yes, he is. yes yeah. it is. Down, at, so. down, at the, down at the wharf, yeah, yeah, the Chinese detective. That's one, yeah. And of course, that kicks off a huge fight. And this the scene's not as good after Please, that. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. As soon as the mayhem starts, I'm less interested. Yeah, it's, it's it, it does disintegrate quite quickly. But I like I like the Tommy gun. I like any excuse for like the, the guy to go mental with a Tommy gun, just like laughing manically. I thought that's just bright. And and and, and Indy sort of using that old big uh, steel drum to that 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 rock that's rock that's rolling along like sort of that's catching all the bullets. It's just great. I love it. Yeah, so basically they escape <laughs> yeah. together. Yeah. They escape together with the antidote and he Yeah, he lands in a car that's basically being driven by what is a ten year old? Data John, Data John. What's your feelings on the uh, on short round? What what's your feelings on child children being in films in general? Like as like the the comedic psychic. This is the problem with this film, it has like two comedic psychics. It's too much in this film, yeah. and uh, they don't know where to put the lines half the time. I, I, well, I do remember when I first saw this film, and I, he's driving the car with these big blocks on his feet so he can reach the pedals. I was seven. That was impossibly cool at the time. So I didn't mind it, but I think kids would like this because I did. But the film's so tonally confused, you can't really argue it's aimed at kids. So not specifically or, or exclusively anyway. As kid actors go, he's not too bad. I mean, he, he's, he's not overly irritating. It's fine. But I just think this is George Lucas's fin- fingerprints all over it. That George Lucas, and I must stress in a completely non-sexual way, almost fetishizes children in films now. It, it's like he's just got to cram some fucking little moppet in his films. And it gets on my tits. And it's like, this is not right for the Indiana Jones character. You know, it, it just isn't right. It doesn't play right at all. And, you know, well, he's what, kind what... of in the way half the time. He's not bad. They've, the guy they've cast or the kid they've cast does fine. That It's not ruinous to the film. But, yeah, I kind of wish he wasn't here. I, uh, what always gets me about this, particularly since this is a prequel, and they do have this, like, old development of, like, of... Uh... Short right, short rounds like Indy's best friend, but yet he's not mentioned, seen, or heard of in any of the other films. So I, I, I do, I wonder what the fuck's happened to Short Round if he's such a great fucking friend, such a great companion for Indiana Jones. Like, where the I mean, fuck my, is he? The like, least of my problems is him encountering this boy because he's he's all over the world. He's going to different places. Some of them in great poverty. I could see how he might end up with a child kept under his wing. But not sat outside ready to drive the car. It just... <laughs> you've got to accept what it is. I mean, realism is not this film's, this series' strong suit anyway. But, again, it's just very George Lucas that... He, he does it with Star Wars. It's like, well, it's for kids. Well, why are we talking about fucking tax then? You know? <laughs> it's the same here. It's like, well, it's for kids. All right, well, I'm sure they love that guy's art being ripped out. You know, yeah, it's quite gory, it, isn't it? Work like out what you do, you know, and, and I just think a kid doesn't really belong in this film other than there are children in the film, and I suppose it might be with half an eye to that. Yeah, it's kind of a way in for that, really. I think they should have picked one. They should have had, like, the character of Willie Scott or Short Round, not both. I mean, yeah, it's... But- it's- yeah, but uh, yeah, but not if he's gonna like snob one at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously you're, not. You're like, I was hoping there'd be a woman here, but you'll have to do. <laughs> obviously not. No, that wasn't my point. No. <laughs> I'm just always pitching the, la- the la- very last scene when Short Round thinks, "Oh, well, everything's done. I'm just walking off, and there comes the whip round his waist." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> 
That the girls what you doing? I'm not into this. I'm not into kids. But like, it's the end of the adventure. I'll fucking stop somebody. That really wasn't my intention. <laughs> oh, anyway. Uh, so uh, where were we? Yeah. So he's he's in the kids taxi. Um, and there's a again. This it is is like a bit of a, a relentless chase. We start off of like of action, 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 action. Yeah. Um, so we get so we get a, a chase with. A kid with a kid when it's like quite comedic, but yeah, we're still having, you know, shooting guns. And he loses his gun because Willie Scott's a fucking idiot. But then, <laughs> it's like, I bet my fingers and broken nail. It's like shut up. But yeah, I, I I guess it's like it's nice. It's like the fact that oh he's he's lost his gun, so he's you know he's, he it's one of his superpowers. I guess it's not it's not quite the same impact <laughs> of losing powers. Well, and yeah, I get, but it's one of his things. He's got a gun and a whip. That's his thing, isn't it? Um, but. Sure, yeah, sure. it would be more impactful. He lost his whip, to be honest with you. But then again, why would he be using his whip um, in a car chase? Um, you like to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, I, I do love the reveal when he gets to the um, uh, their the plane strip and uh, Dan Aykroyd's there, and he's, he's he thinks he's got away, and the door closes, and you see like Lee Chow there. Is it? His last uh, words Lao are, Chai. you know, a nice try, Lao Che. And then Chai. he closes the door and yes. he's Lao like, Chai Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> Which I like. Yeah. It's good. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good sort of, you, you last see those mm. villains cackling away again. It's like, oh. If you had any doubt that he was going to sort of end up back in the costume we know, it, it gets, uh, that fear gets abated here. He, he actually does end up back in his outfit. And he's got Willie with him starting already to moan, whine and shout constantly. Well, she's basically just been too pampered all her life. Really. She's she's that kind of character, so she would be kind of. She doesn't quite grasp what is going on. She's been kind of sheltered her whole life, really. She's just like, all she knows is like singing and being treated and having, having a high life. Going really. to parties and yeah, so, rich people. Yeah, exactly. So she she's from that world. So I I I felt like the film kind of failed her character because I thought the idea of introducing someone like that to the world of indie was to kind of like, well, I will show you there's more to life than you know, nails. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, yeah. essentially, be your your pampered life lifestyle and for her to yeah. actually grow grow more. She's like the you only know. the only sort of like woman in in that universe that doesn't want to, she's unwilling to go on the adventure with him really. So she's I mean it's quite it's quite different it's quite refreshing in that aspect. But like compared to somebody like Marion, for example, she doesn't want to go on the adventure. She's like, no, I hate nature. You know, she's like, when do you get when you go into the jungle? She's like, it's crawling with nature, and it's just like, well, what do you expect? You know, and she just doesn't want to be there, and it's completely different. I mean, I, I do think there's chemistry between the two. You know, I, yeah, yeah I, 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 I do. They do have a good back and forth. Um, well, I have to say, Harrison Ford has chemistry with everybody. I just think he's one of those actors. We talked about it during our last series that, like, Brosnan, for all his charisma as a man, didn't have a lot of chemistry with, with a lot of the actors and actresses paired with him. Harrison Ford plays really well off everybody at this stage of his career. Yeah, he's, he does. He's just got that sort of, I say that, that sort of charming, kind of rugged, you know, well, he's, he's Han Solo, essentially, isn't he? So, of course he is. Um, but, yeah, no, it's... it. it, it I, I, I've never... I, I've always kind of enjoyed the, the back and forth between him and Willie, um, uh, even though he, I know he, Willie annoys everyone, which I understand. <laughs> but... <laughs> Willie, back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, 
I was gonna <laughs> laugh. I was gonna laugh, and it was gonna be audible. So I just thought I might as well just fucking own it. Tee Willie, back and forth. <laughs> Get out your system now. We're gonna hear a lot of it. I'm not getting anything out of my system now. I've only just polished this microphone. <laughs> it's the only thing I've polished today, though, I promise. Oh, dear. So, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> the plane's about to crash, and again, that's not a euphemism. We're back on the plot now. Yeah, it's, yeah so essentially, the uh, the pilots have like just parachuted out of the plane, uh, leave, leaving them with no parachutes, and... Uh, yeah, and they basically try to uh, escape. Well, they, they they escape using a rubber dinghy, <laughs> which is quite an incredible. I mean, I'd I'd like to know this. I'd like to be. I'd love to have seen the script conference where they had a chat about that, because the, all of the plots for these films and scripts and all the rest of it were sort of broken around tables with people discussing it. So somebody would have had to go bear with me here. And float this as an idea. On a dinghy. I, I, I think they put it more as a spectacle because when I watched the film, like the, like the, the, the idea of, of seeing like people on a rubber dinghy, like of of them actually free falling and land then landing on the uh, on a hillside of, of the snow, which would kill them. But you know, okay. But I would have thought that they would have written it so that the plane kind of just about goes on the edge of a of a mountain and they just jump at like the that, that brief short part. And they start sliding down the hill, you know, before the plane crashes. So yeah. I would have thought that would be more logical, you know. It's like they were trying to steer the plane, like, towards the ground a bit more and then just jump out last minute. But yeah. I would have thought that would be more logical and more kind of like, yeah, well, that makes it's sense. I've never hated it, though. I mean, it's one of the things that, that gets slaughtered a bit like with Crystal Skull with the three... Um, the three waterfalls. Yeah, it's no nuke, is it? It's no uh, nuclear bomb in a fridge, is it? Really? No, it's, it's okay. I, I, I don't. It's not okay, but it's okay. It, I, I think it's a bit of a silly idea. I don't think it's that well done. But the film is still whipping it along at quite a pace. Yeah, yeah I mean, you've had a moment of him lay, laying down on the plane, and you've had a moment where she wakes him up. But that's about it. The film has been in perpetual motion since. David Yip's character was shot, basically, and that's several minutes before this. So I don't really have a problem with it. The pacing of the film goes awry quite quickly after this, but at this point, I'm fine with it. Yeah, so they end up on a river, go, they fall off waterfalls as well. Uh, yeah, they do waterfall. Yeah. They, okay. Or my, my, my thing in Crystal Skull. I don't know, that's what's no, confused they do, me. Yeah, I, only they watched, go... I only watched it an hour or so ago. <laughs> I forgot. No, they, go, they go sort of like... So obviously out of the air into like white water rafting, well under snow and then white water rafting. And then I think they go over the edge of the waterfall. <laughs> and it but you know, that's it, quite a massive callback to that one. Yeah. No, that's what it, a yeah. day we've had. Oh very then busy. Of, then they came out of like platoon laughing. Platoon. <laughs> it's a miracle how they survived. And then they had a hot dog at a ball game. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go and get fish and chips. But it's amazing how they survive it, it's really Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Crystal Skull's obviously a callback to it, isn't it? So yeah, well, I, 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 I imagine it was probably more to do... Actually, I think I figured out why they decided to go for the free fall of the, of the uh, rubber dinghy. Uh, well, there was something about the about them, the, the, the tribe in... Um, I, I don't, don't know what you, what, what you would call it. Would, what would you call it a tribe? Is that, is that the PC term we, we would say? I don't know. Let's just go with it for now. Apologies, folks, if that is the wrong term, but we're going to go with a tribe. Yeah. Um, they they see, they, they essentially, they prophesize like um, heroes that will fall from the sky and save and, and right the wrongs that 
you know, save their children, etc., and retrieve the stone. Um, so I think the idea that they saw that and they saw, oh, look, there's the chosen one, they're the prophesied ones. Mm. Um, yeah, they were. So, yeah, essentially. So therefore, so therefore, they're waiting for him, literally they're drifting on shore, like, obviously yeah. fucked. They're like, oh. Yeah. Although later he's told all their waters turned to sand, and I'm thinking, well, the bit you floated in on was all right. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, so they meet a guy who, the actor couldn't speak English at all. There's there's gaps in his speech where Spielberg is is saying it to him so he can repeat it and doing the actions and everything. That actor had no idea what he was saying. Yeah, it's not like dramatic pauses, but just literally he's waiting for his next line. Yeah, it works fine actually. I think uh, you know because you, you understand that he you you'd buy the fact that it wouldn't be his first language, obviously. So oh yeah, <laughs> living where he is, he's fortunate that he speaks it at all. Quite frankly, yeah. so. Um, so yeah, would would. It would. It wouldn't be. You know, it, it's realistic for it to be a little bit stretchy, but you know, it it, it, it works fine. Uh, I, re- I really like. Um, I guess what one of the scenes were like in terms of when we were having the food with <laughs> Willie, and uh, oh, that's awful. So embarrassing. <laughs> what what having having food with Willie really out? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but just with like uh, showing just how like she doesn't quite get her situation. With the with with her like you're insulting them and you're embarrassing me like that kind of <laughs> yeah that. and I love the way he plays that but I I just don't know I we've all we already know she's spoiled she's now she's not the outdoors type we already know this and I just think to throw in her in her being so rude to a tribe that are clearly starving I think is overegging it a bit because Willie really loses me from here on. Yeah. She's really like, oh no, this is too much. Uh, yeah, I, I guess because after you just had like a load of action scenes, which would basically mean Willie screaming a lot, you're like, oh okay, come off it. We've just <laughs> learned all this about the character. Yeah, we didn't know, but I would, I would expect most people in that scenario, if that scenario could ever, uh, you know, yeah, arise, yeah. to understand that you are being given resources as a welcome from a very meager pool of resources. And be fucking grateful. You, you see, I don't think she would. At that, right. You know, at, at that point, you know, I, 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 I see that she's just she's still in like I can't believe all this shit is happening to me mode. Uh, right. So she isn't like kind of thinking beyond herself at this point. She's just like, oh, just want to get back to civilization. Really, that's all she she's got on her on her mind. And I get the impression that she, I mean, she's obviously not as well-travelled as Indy, but, uh, you know, if she lives in, she has a life in Shanghai, she lives in Shanghai, you would imagine that she doesn't actually mix, mix with the locals. There's maybe some kind of expat community that she hangs around with, you know, all the military people who happen to be there, you know, all their rich wives, things like that. It's perhaps kind of more, more well, apparently in, insular, I guess. She's so. world-famous, apparently. but Apparently, you know. but still, even though, you know... Well, I don't, I'm not sure how famous she would be by, you know, singing in... <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know the world was a different place back in that times, but you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure quite. But anyway, it's not Shea Stadium, is no. it? <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah. But they're sent off. They're, they're basically their crops have failed. Their kids have been kidnapped. Um, they're starving, and they believe it's to do with this stone that's gone missing. Yeah, this makes me. It's meant to be some sort of magical stone, and you know, it's, it's, it's again, it, it's this is like different to what the arc was. I mean, next week we get the the, the Holy Grail essentially, and 
you know, these those are both all like well like known kind of myths or you know or, or it adds into this being it adds into the things. idea that this is just another episode. Yeah, because it's far far lower stakes not for the people of that community obviously because they've lost their children but we've got the stakes of if the Fuhrer gets hold of this supernatural being and in the third one we've got potentially eternal life Hmm. and it's only at the end we find out that you can't pass a certain point with it Uh, for large portions of this film if you're not that, that film if you're not familiar with it we could be talking at an ever an ever living Third Reich, effectively. Um, so this is this is much much smaller stakes. And when they introduce the Ark of the Covenant in the first film, it would ring a bell in the back of your head somewhere. Same with the Holy Grail. In this, we have to we we almost certainly would never have heard of this artifact. Yeah, it's just like oh, if it's, indeed it, it's real, it's. Uh, it's a it's a magical stone, or it's like part of like it's a low stone. I mean, I think I do think there is there, there is some attempt to raise the stakes because I think the whole idea of the them kind of hypnotizing people with the blood. There was like talk of like trying to rule the world with it, kind of kind of thing of like that danger of them sort of gaining more power and growing beyond where they are. Um, how realistic and how well played out that is, you know, it's, it's, you know. Down to down to you, listeners. But um, uh, but you know, I think that there was. I remember there was something there. But yeah, you're right. It is a bit more of a personal kind of um, journey. I mean, I always I feel like Indy in this one rather is doing it more not out of like duty, not on the idea of like oh, I'm gonna need to bring this random stone back to the museum. I never had thought he, he was going there for that. He was up. I think he was more of a. He's been he's been asked to do something, and he sees like a a, a like a group of people who've been wronged, and he can't turn his back away from that. And that's essentially what he, what it is. It's just like you know, I've 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 seen like atrocity been put, in, and I can't. I have to do something about it. They've asked me to help. I have to go and help. You know. And that's 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 how I see it. Not rather than like a he, he's just after to find like an artifact like he normally is. Now, what shocked me watching it today, less so even last week. I think I was just paying more attention today. Is actually how little plot there is in this film after this point. We've, I mean, basically from here on, and we'll, we'll go back to talking through the film scene by scene. But when you think about it, they go to the. Um, they go to the um, temple. They have a disgusting meal. Uh, Indy and Willie Scott nearly have a shag, and then they find <laughs> their way downstairs. Find out this thing's uh, going on, and then it's action, 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 done. Well, like, they get caught. Not, this film like, is unbelievably there. fucking thin. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with that though. I mean, for for the for what it is, it is like. Bit more. It's fine as a one-off. I think it's just what what um, surrounds it. Yeah. Which you know, it, it, I mean, it's. It, I think. I think it's absolutely. You know. I mean, okay, it could be better in places, but um, I think this play plays a bit more to uh, kids in a, in, a, in a weird way. I know people call this like the, the like really dark, and it does have darker stuff in it. 
but ultimately... The, but the it's whole, also by far the kiddiest. Yeah, it, the, the, the whole tone of it is, light, is lighter. It, the whole tone is, is very much more comic book, you know. I mean, it's got... you got a, 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 one of the, uh, the good, good, good guys is essentially a kid, so that's going to make it more kid-friendly anyway. Um, it, it's just, it, it just feels very much more light, and, and the whole style of it is more comedic than the other, than the other two. So, um, but, you know, I, I don't mind, like, having, like, a, a, like, a blockbuster films that it's just pure, just, like, a set piece, set piece, set piece, set piece. I mean, I think some of, some of it's great. I mean, yeah, you're right, there is basically just, like, the, they, they go across, like, a, a jungle, and then they, they walk into the palace, they have a meeting with the, the king, or, or, the, what not the king, but, um... the prime minister, and the Maharaja, yeah. Yeah. Um, which... Yeah, there's only sort of obviously you can tell they can only on certain budgets and you know they make they show like certain parts of the place anyway. Well, there's a lot of map paintings in this, but yeah. again, it's late late change of location. But you've got, I mean, you've got they set off on elephants, and I find this section of the film really fucking ponderous. I know it's supposed to be funny and you being caught cheating at cards and her struggling in the wild and snakes and all the rest of it, but it seems to go on way too long. They're clearly sat on sound stages. Again, it's it's a big flaw of this film. And I then think, they get to the temple, but it, yeah, it, it's just it's lost a, it's lost a lot of momentum. I think it's a chance for them to explain what it, basically explain the plot really because you know like it, you know Indy's there explain basically explaining like what's happened. You know, but look how Raiders was able to do that. Raiders was able to basically get across the bits we don't know about the arc through how he got the assignment. And as things unfold in the plot, we're told a little bit more. Uh, here, it has to be done in a big data dump because it's something we've never heard of, and we this film hasn't stopped moving in the first ten minutes or so. Yeah, uh, that, and I think that's well. Yeah, I think they're just two very different films. I think it's just it goes down to like the, the style of mm. of what it is. I mean, like, like you know, I'm not. You're not gonna, I'm not going to argue against you know why this film is better than Raiders because that's just idiotic, but <laughs> but um, you know I, 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 this is like meant to be a bit more like I mean I'm not even sure Spielberg knew what exactly they, they, they were going to do third one even anyway I mean they could just like I'm sure do nothing. no they they didn't have the three worked out they always yeah. had to do Lucas so, kind of claimed they did but they didn't so maybe um, I mean like even with, even with the third film I, I talk about doing like a haunted house film which just sounds fucking crazy they were for this 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 actually sort of it was talked about for this as well yeah so I, 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 I don't know how that would have worked out but then, but obviously they will play playing around with ideas so maybe having like each film completely different in tone and style or whatever so, the, the, yeah. so it could have been that, that kind of thing going on I think what makes it worse for me, Chris, is simply that the start was so good. Yeah. It, it, it's Spy Who Loved Me syndrome. It's like, oh, you hit such a high at the start of this. I believe, and only I believe, I think, I don't think it's a commonly held view, but I think you even outdid Raiders in your first 10 minutes. And then, and then it goes quite ponderous for quite a while. And the film really doesn't have that much to it afterwards. No. It, in, in terms of plot, no. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, that's this kind of journey. I mean, this is the part, this this section before they actually get to the temple itself, and then there's a few sections just before, um, prior to the minecart chase that I do think drag, um, and it's been done better 
as you said just now, they did it much easier in the previous film. So I don't know. Obviously, they've got different writers, um, mainly picked for... Um, I mean, yeah, they have good filmography. Um, but these writers, they're kind of picked, known for their knowledge of India um, rather than, I don't know, their output, I guess. But that's no disrespect to them. Um, but yeah, it, it drags purely for that reason, really. And it, they've done it so much better in the previous film, so I don't know why they can't do it here. But yeah, I just you know, agree with both of you, really. It's kind of my least favourite part of the film. Well, it's, it's it's the part that you kind of zone out and wait for the like the the, the freaky wait stuff. Wait for the good part. Yeah. So we go straight on to Pankok Palace then, where he's met by and I, I never quite knew who he was. I actually looked it up. He's like the prime minister basically, and they're taken for this meal, which I just think is like a film written by a couple of six year olds. <laughs> snake you know surprise. I mean? It's just like and then they eat snakes and then it's monkey brains and then you know yeah so they're written by like brains. Children, monkey brains, yeah. like ten-year-old, ten-year-old boys, like, all the like, soup and all that stuff. Think, like, it's a film that's string, loosely stringing together set pieces, and we do hear in the making of this film. Well, that set piece there was supposed to be was first talked about for that film instead, and it, they've loosely pieced it together. This scene is there for no real reason other than to, to nauseate. Willie Scott, really, and basically insult that culture. It, it, it's literally like you see him making, going like, oh, "Okay, well, this is like what 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 Cape Catchall is doing is gold with this like kind of the whole whining and moaning thing." So let's like give let's give her like a load of stuff to whine and moan about, yeah. while Indy has like yeah. another little sort of um, debate, or and you know we we'll talk a bit more about about a plot somewhat. Also, he's he's borrowed the Bond producer's wardrobe in that, like, in all of that, he managed to like take his tweed with him because he's 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 dressed in like, suit. <laughs> it's his mysterious travelling wardrobe remind again. Me, that he never yeah, seen. reminded me of Inspector, where it's like put another suit on. <laughs> he's got a wee, it's like Narnia in that case. But it's <laughs> um, <laughs> he, um, but yeah, the, the scene where they were heading to the palace on on the elephants. Uh, Harrison Ford said that's where he started having problems with his back. Because you basically, and I, I may have misremembered this, but you basically sit on the elephant's shoulder blades. And the way you have to sit was straining his back. Then, when you come out of this scene and you have this sort of byplay between him and Willie where they, they they look like they might be about to, like, have sex. They're in rooms opposite each other and it's meant to be a bit screwball comedy. I thought that was really funny, actually. I quite like that scene. It's kind of like, well, he's not coming. She's not coming. Five minutes. And it's just like, four and a half minutes. I thought it was quite I funny. I quite like that scene, too. But it's yeah. where, where where Harrison Ford is attacked. Um, there's like a, a bit of a somersault in it. Harrison Ford got a herniated disc off that. Ouch. And it put it put him out of action. For, and they, they were saying he tried to carry on. I mean, he could barely walk, if at all. And yet he was still sort of getting to the set and trying to make it work. And eventually they had to send him back to the US because this him. is largely filmed at Elstree Studios in, in, in Britain again. And they sent him back to the United States for surgery. So he was away for five weeks and they shot what they could with Vic Armstrong, which is why a lot of the time where he's fighting Mola Ram and things like that, you're not seeing his face because it's not him. Oh, right. OK. But he got a severe injury. He does suffer for his art. I mean, he had his knee run over in the last film. When we get to Star Wars down the line, he gets a broken leg in The Force Awakens. And he gets a severe herniated disc here, which required surgery. And he survived a plane crash as well, not so long ago as well. Uh, that was during The Force Awakens yeah. too. Mm, survived a plane crash, yeah. Um, 
so yeah so the, this was a this was a tough shoot you've got a director and a producer who just don't want to be there when you watch the special features you can see steven spielberg's a little got a bit of a crush on kate capsule i'm not implying anything because i don't know what did or didn't happen when but there's a fondness between them you can see it All right. um but it's yeah it's, it's a tough set and uh, they say their leading man gets a severe injury uh, I mean, about that um, fight, though, I do like the reveal of, like, the, the guy just standing there. Because it's yeah. really cleverly done. Like, you know, and you, you see it now, it's like, there he is, but he's standing so still. You you watch it for the first time, you would never know in a million years and, and just pop out and start strangling it. I think, I think. But I mean, the fight itself is pretty mediocre, but the reveal, I think, is pretty great. Um but yeah, so we have the, the the fight, and then he goes into Willie's room, <laughs> and I, I like I like this kind of thing because she, she's still unaware of like basically what's going on. He's just like on look at lookout mode for her, like secret passages, and she's like, "I'm here, I'm here!" Like uh, that's pretty that's pretty funny. He's there like pushing the boobs on the statue, and she's like, "Yeah." Um, but um, yeah, so basically they they go go down and like to the through secret passageway. It's just like. Unrealistically surrounded by bugs and insects, which is a bit like okay. again, it's the it's the childlike mentality in the makers of this film. And I'm not going to knock Spielberg. I think Spielberg's might even be the the greatest living filmmaker we we have. I mean, he, the amount he's done in different genres and stuff. But obviously, you've got the snakes in the first film. You've got the rats next week, and it just seems like what do we have this week? It it is almost sort of laying down a f- bit of a formula. Yeah, yeah, snake. It's it's snakes, bugs, rats. I don't know what it's meant to be doing for us because I don't find it particularly tense. I don't find it. I find Willie quite annoying, annoying with it, and it's just this feeling they're loosely connecting bits, and this is the bug mm. bit. Yeah, this yeah, so the bug section. But I think each film they kind of try to up, up the stakes of like the gross out factor. I think this film probably has it. Obviously, you've got the most bugs and insects, those creepy crawlies. Um, one of my fun facts is how many creepy crawlies they used, but I'll tell you that later on. Um, and also, you've got the children monkey brains. Kill, Hang on a minute. Um, Hang on well, a minute. I'm not, I'm not gonna, we're not going to get excited about it now, but that means there's some fun facts. <laughs> Later fun on, facts, there's going to be some fun facts. <laughs> As always, that is our fault. That doesn't sound fun. That sounds dirty. I, I, I think Dave just came. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Dave, do you need a wet wipe? No, nah, just let it dry. Have a tissue. <laughs> Anyway, carry on. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean, I do, I do kind of like like the scene, even though it is kind of like the, the, the what's the what's the thing with the whole crusher? Have a why? Why do you need spikes? Which you know, surely that would be like a hindrance. The, the I, whole, no idea. But um, I, no idea. I, but again, that that sort of betrays its serial origins. I said last week that we'd see a little bit more of this sort of B movie pulpy origins in this film and certainly the dinner scene's got that the episodic structure and now it's you know the ceiling coming down will they escape in time and all the rest of it it's like it's like attempts to sort of outdo the start of raiders in some ways but it but to be honest this is the only scene where willie has to step up though it's the yeah. only it's, it's the only essentially quote-unquote willie's moment um yeah and it's you, you, we, we needed more i mean we'll get to a bit quite soon later on where I think they could have had a turn like if they'd done it differently they could have turned it around a bit more and make her character a bit more justifiable more fully rounded and 
a better conclusion for her rather than just standing Less up. shit. Yeah, just sort of, rather than just sort of like because because uh, well, at one point where where later on in the film where Indy's just fighting, she's literally just like stood there watching him, kind of like kind of going, "Yay, Indy, go!" It's just like, yeah, what you know? At least Marion was doing something when she was there. You know, yeah, she was always doing something. I mean, if, even when tied up, she was playing a part of the playing a part in the film. You know. Um, so, where are we up to? Yeah, so basically they escape the crusher, and then they kind of, we then we kind of basically meet Armit Lee villain, and we're kind of like an hour into the film. Yeah, as I say, I, I did a time check, but he'd already been on screen for a minute or two. Uh, I called it up, and it was like 1.02, and he was already, we'd already seen him, and he was talking to Indy, so we probably first see him just before the hour mark, and he speaks after, just a little after. When did we first see him when he was talking to Indy? When, when, which bit was that? Was that the... The... Well, obviously they spot what's going on first, don't they? And then yeah. Indy goes down there. So we, you yeah. know, by the time that he goes down there and they are talking, it's it's over an hour in. Oh, okay, yeah, got you. Sorry. Um, and you got the bit where he pulls out the man's heart, you know, the sacrifice, and you think bloody hell. And that was that was the bit that got cut out by the um, the, the BBFC, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it was. It was uh, my memory, and again, memories can play tricks on you because you see it years afterwards and so on. My memory is, is that was in the that was in the version that was on the big screen. That was in the sin. Yeah, I think. I think, and I don't mind if listeners want to correct me if I'm wrong there because memories aren't reliable. But I thought that was in the cinema version, and then I think might have been missing from like home video or TV. And then came back for the DVD, really. Quite possibly. I might be wrong on all that, but I, I thought I saw that the first time I saw the film. I think you might be right. I mean, I, well, you know, I, I say that without checking anything, but I, I think, mm. I, from what I understand, I think that... Either way, right. it, it is dark for a imagine. film that has one of the three leads as a child. And, and there's lots of child the, actors. Yeah, uh, it's, it's very dark. And yeah, the effect doesn't look great now, but it, it looked amazing at the time. It really did. I think it's more. I think it's more less to do with the effects and more the 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 idea of it, the the you know, the image of it, so to speak, of literally just open up your chest, pulling out your heart, and it's still beating. And then you know, that, I think that kind of it's it's more of like it's more on the uh, what's, what's, it's not in the execution, but it's in the it's the concept. Yes, isn't it? yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's always going to look a bit goofy, but then I like those kind of like goofy rubber rubbery looking effects That's it's only I, really as the as the chest closes over yeah um but again in my mind after i first saw it he literally ripped through someone's chest and pulled it out and it looked completely real it's only when you revisit it you go well our standards of what we have to see to, for it to be real and plus i'm older mm. but yeah this this was really really dark and hardcore at the time and yeah he gets lowered into basically lava and it's no. a long time until we see daylight again as well, yeah. which is a problem I have with this film a little yeah, we bit. We spend a lot of time underground, obviously, don't we? Yeah. Uh, Spielberg himself has sort of complained about that when, when he looks back on it. But, you know, what is like what can you do, though? I mean, like, it's, it's just where, where it's set. I, I can't see where the chance to, to even do that. Maybe, well, maybe it was written better. But, um, anywho, um, here's one of the the issues with, and I'm fine with the villain himself, because at the end of the day, he's just a crazy, really just nut, nut job, isn't he, really? Um, you know, he's, he, he, he's, he's basically like a like a voodoo type sort of, you know, 
he's a cult leader pretty much, isn't he? He's got this ancient kind of like thuggy cult that's kind of threatening to rear his head. Yeah. And he's just... Coming you know, from the shadows, so he won't necessarily be like, you know, right there. But the problem is that you, you get introduced to him and he doesn't have much... It's not like last week where you get Bal- um, Balog, which is like a which is really kind of fleshed out character. And on top of that, you have a load of like, you know, Nazis like hamming it up. So... You know, you get like you, 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 you get exactly what you know. You get more more than what you need with Raiders. This is just kind of like it's just kind of yeah. They're you know they're fine. That's the thing. It's it's loosely connected scenes, Chris, because you've got Belloc teased in the first one, and then he comes back a bit later on. I'm not complaining. It's not as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Not that many films of this type are, but we spot him. We see what he does, and then. Basically, Indy's under his spell fairly quickly, and then it's a big chase, and you just think, well, none of that was really set up, and it's just loosely connected action. Mm. I mean, there's nothing special about me. That's the, that's the problem. I mean, we don't get any connection as an audience. It's just like we. I, we, we, I didn't we know for to... years. I knew they they taken the kids, and I knew they'd taken the stones, and the stones. They kept saying fortune and glory. Well, in this concept, actually, it means power, which isn't the same thing. Because if you were stealing it to be rich, well, have at it. Who cares? Be rich. It's taken, uh, it took quite a while to figure out what the kids were even really taken for. They were slaves, but like, why? Why are they mining? It's all there, but it's all kind of glossed over kind of quickly. So, yeah, we get to the point they get captured, but they all get captured. Indy gets, drinks the blood, there's all. And we've Secret. got a voodoo doll in it as well. The Maharaja's yeah. in, a, in a trance. Yeah. Again, for years, I don't think I realised that. I just thought he changed his mind when I was a kid. But he is being controlled. And I mean, he's giving Indy pain by stabbing a doll of him he, that they've not He is a bad actor. I, mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't like being rude on child actors, but... The, you know, he, he he's not very good. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> um, but, um, see, now, now, now we get to the point where basically they, they start doing uh, the sacrifice of Willie. Um... And it's up to short round to save the day. Now, here's what I think what it should have changed. It should have changed it around so maybe have Willie Willie's the one who's not get not got captured and you develop like a as a clear path way for her just to get out of there and or there's or there's a decision that she can make which is like, right, well you can you can get out you can, you can get out and and have a safe passage to Civilization, whatever, um, but instead she finds in herself to to come back and save Indian short round. And I think had there been that, she would have been her character would have been a lot more justified, and I think she would have been a lot more liked as a character uh, than what she's actually given to do here. I think they what they what they did here was like they gave short round. Uh, the hero moment, and yet they give Shaw around another hero moment when he has to fight the. Uh, and he's the already had one at the start of the film. He got them out of there. Yeah, so that you know, it's like, look, you know, let's give Willie something. Let's give Willie that. I mean, you could have. I mean, I thought about maybe giving like uh, having Short Round be the one who 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 gets sacrificed, and Willie's the one who comes in and actually saves it and figure and figures like the bit of the fire. You know, it would have given a bit of like a, you know, a, a brain when a brain starts working or something. You know. Yes. It's, it's, it's just an idea. It was just an idea, but again, they just gave the short round, and it's just like ah, I, 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 I get it with the kids, but you know, 
Willie really need, really need, needed something. At no point in this film, the normal arc for any sort of character like this would be a moment of realization where they have to put someone else first. Mm. And all right, she kind of saves them when puts her hand through the bugs, but that's okay. it. Okay. I mean, that's kind of a really have a fucking choice, did she? Unless you wanted to watch them fucking crushed. That's like her, her you know, her whole entire arc, pretty much. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, they, they, it's not a great character. Kate Capshaw doesn't think it's a great character. Steven Spielberg, in hindsight, doesn't think this is a particularly good film. You know, I don't think anyone was that happy with what they ended up with. But, you know, they, it does lead on to pretty good set pieces. I mean, Indy nearly kills her while he's under a trance. He gets burnt by short round to come out of the trance. And then you go through the long... Then he gets dressed back in his uniform... And then he's um, and then it's, it's, it's really cheesy a... that moment, you know, that whole like Indy, I love you, my best friend. You know, I hate and, that. I yeah, hate yeah, 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 yeah. It's and then that whole thing. And where... I reckon that would have been te- just knowing how shit he is with dialogue. They handed George George Lucas. He didn't write the script, but the script is based on a twenty-page treatment he did write. And treatments do have the odd little snippet of dialogue in there somewhere, and I bet that's George Lucas's lines. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> But it does go on to the mine cart chase, which is pretty good. Yeah, I think, again, it's like it's more of like the roller coaster kind of uh, thing. We get the the fight with uh, the second the second fight with Pat, or some, the third fight really with um, Pat Roach. Yeah, Pat Roach. Yeah, Pat Roach. Yeah, there is. Is, you, you almost certainly all know this already, but we mentioned it last week. He is the guy that Indy fights by the plane in uh, in Raiders, the the bald guy. He appears in it twice, doesn't he? Once as one of the um, Arab thugs, and then again as the bald guy who he fights. Yeah. So he's, he's in the movie twice. <laughs> oh, no, no, in the Himalayas, that's it. That's where he appears, yeah. first of all. But a lot of people do only recognise him in that uh, second one, and yeah. I'm one of them. I've never spotted him anywhere else, even yeah, though it's enough. probably really obvious. Yeah. He's in the third one briefly. But again, I don't know where. Oh, uh, 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 yeah, it, it is It is blinking, you miss him, but they had, they had filmed something more significant. Uh, but it, it got deleted. I think he was a bit of a good luck charm for the series and for Spielberg. I think, you know, it's a bit like Warwick Davis in Star Wars. Put him somewhere. You know. Yeah. Get him in there. Well, like, the mind uh, chase, the chase is, all, is all pretty good, but I'm just not that engaged by any of it. You know, there, there, was, a, there was a bit of a ticking clock in Raiders as well. And it was, you know, it was, get, can we get there in time? Can we stop it? Eventually it proves they can't, but... It's all very tense as, as they're going along. And whilst this film keeps moving, it's lost all momentum after they've got to Pankot. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's just all action, 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 which I don't mind. I mean, I, I, I say, I've, I've, I've said it, but I, It's I, good I action. It. That's why I said at the start, it's a master filmmaking maker masterfully making a not very good film. Yeah. It's still really well made. I think, yeah, 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 I, 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 I'll see it. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. So, the, the, here's the problem. We can't, there isn't much to talk about beyond now because it, unless, you know, unless you want to talk about like how gross uh, Pat, uh, how Pat Roach got getting crushed by the, by the stone machine and like, yeah, it wasn't the, uh, the, the what's it called, the, uh, the carriage. That was always my worry with this film of the four. I mean, yeah. when we moved on from Bond, I had a slight feeling that, well, we have enough to say, but we did. I mean, we put Raiders out last week and that was a couple of hours long. Um, I think we won't have any problems with Last Crusade. Plenty happens in that film. It's so one of my favourite films as well, so I hope I you have a lot to say about like, 
Bristol Skull, there's plenty to say, and I don't just mean because there's a rant possibly in the offing. There is plenty <laughs> to say about it. I think this film is really thin. I just think all, all the interest in it's in about the first quarter of an hour. And then there's a couple of gross out scenes, a bit of talking, nearly a shag. And then <laughs> and then basically happy ending. a few action no happy ending, because they had to go and do something else. But, uh, <laughs> She may have given him a happy ending after the film finished. I don't know. All, all the children are returned. You know, the stones return to the village. I hope she wasn't doing it while that was happening. Hey, no, she kids. wasn't. But it happened off screen. But again, it's like it's like they cut the whole thing with kids, and it's like, well, I've got nothing against children in the slightest, but I suppose them being in slavery makes it sad and difficult and all the rest of it. But the only kids we've had any real exposure to have been short round in the Maharaja, so. If we're going to care about them, they're the only two. You kind of and get we'll the sense get... that the Maharaja really isn't kind of isn't totally in power, is he? Because he's kind of like you know, as long as I'm in charge, you know, in my kingdom, this will never happen again. Well, yeah, yeah going on behind his back, he's, he's, he's he's got that, you know, so really, it's... he is really exactly. So, and he's just he snaps out of it, and he's, he's we'll, not the Maharaja at all. We'll get to this when we get to to Star Trek, and I think Star Wars to some degree. But there's a couple of films in the Star Trek series where the stakes are notionally higher in the millions of lives depend on something, but we don't meet any of those millions of people. So who cares? And then, you know, in a previous film, it might only be one ship and a couple of hundred people, but they're led by people we know. And it's the same here. The stakes are quite high in that there are clearly a lot of children there, but it's, why would we care what happens to these children particularly beyond norm- I, mean, I know there's normal human decency no one wants to see kids get hurt but bear in mind no. this is a work of fiction they're not actually being hurt so in story terms it's like well i've got no investment in this at all this is some this is these are the kids from some village we saw for a couple of minutes at the start of the film They've been introduced late in the story. We don't see much of their plight, except they look a bit like Victorian, you know, urchins. They're all a bit dirty and stuff. Um, So the stakes are all kind of low. I think that is sold more by Harrison Ford. I mean, there's there's a moment where back at the um, in the in the in the village where um, like one of the boy actually escapes and and Indy's just literally just like just. Just and when, yeah, and when he's yeah, and when he's translating the village elder, he yeah. sells pretty well as well. And well, Harrison well, Ford's and, properly and, good in it. And, and when and when he when he sees like like it actually happening, he looks kind of no, I have to do something. There's very much like no, it's it, almost like enraged by it. Which kind of like it's funny. He kind of a child like throws a rock at someone's head and goes like, oh, everyone's <laughs> a <laughs> Personal now. <laughs> It is thin. There's not much we can really say beyond that. Um, I mean, we get to the uh, the whole drawbridge scene, which is you know great, really well done. Uh, yeah, I think that's quite, that's quite a good scene. I think it's quite it's quite tense, and especially when literally you have got. Um, Hold on, lady, we're going for a wide. Sorry, that's yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 you know, there's my uh, racist remark there. For... <laughs> you would have said me, you live longer. <laughs> oh. You do really really bad short round impression. But no, yeah, I think it's quite tense where you literally got like. Your cheat, When I think of this film, and I, I, a mental image of it, I mean, you think of Raiders, there's there's several, but it might be him landing in front of the Cobra, it might be him coming out of the shadows at the start of the film. There's several little things that 
the facing the faces melting yeah. off. Yeah. When I think yeah. of this film, I think of Harrison Ford on this rope bridge. This is this yeah, is the exactly. icon. This uh, you could argue the mind chase, but I get bored with that. It goes on too long. This sequence is for me the iconic bit of this film. I tend to think of this scene and also chilled monkey brains, but there we are. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the very fact that like a not very good film in relation to the rest of most of the rest of this series has a couple of fairly yeah, iconic, the iconic scenes. To, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's still well made by a filmmaker. I just think. The script, the, not even the script, the story needed more work. There was one part in the drawbridge bit where I kind of went, oh, that's a bit convenient why he did that. Because Indy's basically cornered, he's like from both sides by both henchmen. Um, the the bad guy, uh, I, I, I don't know his name. What, what, Mola Ram? Mola yeah. Ram, yeah. I mean, that that's how well developed, I don't even know what his name is. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's not as ridiculous, I still enjoy this film, but... Um, you know, he, in in the Marlon's got essentially has shot round and um, and Willie, uh, like not on the drawbridge, already like sort of outside it. And in order got Indy covered, like the, Indy threatens to throw the stones over if, if like if they don't don't essentially let Willie and Short Round go. And he goes like, well, don't matter, we'll, we'll just dig them out. We'll, we'll we'll just we'll just pick we'll just find them at the bottom. It's fine. So he's like, shit. So. And then Indy's thinking, right, well, I'm going to have to cut the drawbridge. And then, for no reason, Mola Ram takes Willie and Short Round and himself on the drawbridge. I was like, why have you done that? <laughs> There's no reason for him to do that. He's, he's already yeah. said, like, no, I'm, yeah. no, I'm not going to do either that. he'll drop it, or he'll go back the way he came and they'll be captured, yeah. or he'll come towards you and be captured. So there was like there was no re- I mean it was it was just a bit of a yeah I know but you got to get them into this sequence. I know I know I know and again for all I've been quite I've been fairly tough on the flaws of this film when it's a series that lives on some of these things but I, it doesn't really bother me it's a, it's a pretty good sequence yeah but you... and again we've seen him rip a man's heart out so when he puts his hand to Harrison Ford's chest watching it as a kid I was like oh fucking hell. It's, it's quite terrifying, isn't it? I think I must say I do. Um, just to go back a few steps, I do think Harrison Ford's performance, like when he sort of, as I say in, in quotation marks, drinks the blood. Um, when you see him, he's actually like transfixed and under the spell, as it were. And I still find that scene. Well, one thing I can't abide. <laughs> this sounds really stupid. I think I abide in the film was like kids being hit, women being hit, and all cruelty to animals. There's three things in movies that I can't abide, apart from obviously all the other violent you know it's not real, elements, you know. things like that. No, I know it's not real. It's just something that it still shocks me. So she watches really... a triple bill of this apocalypse now and Goldfinger. God, <laughs> God help me. Oh no, it's just one of these things. It's like, well, you know, I think he, he does a really good performance anyway. Um, and where he kind of you know drinks the blood and sort of becomes brainwashed, as it were. And there's a scene obviously where he, he smacks Short Round in the face, and he seems to enjoy it. And you just think, obviously, I know it's a bit cheesy. You know, kind of got like sort of the father son relationship between them. I think, Andy, you're my best friend. And you just think, oh. But to me, that kind of, that amplifies it more. I think, I find it very sweet. I mean, I'm quite emotional. But I find that relationship, quite, you know, quite sweet. So, yeah. can, we, can we do a bit, can we get a bit of digital wizardry on this from somebody and somebody cut Jake Lloyd into that scene being smacked repeatedly? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what you want. Because <laughs> he's not bad, this kid. I mean, I, I wish there weren't kids in it, but it's he's not bad at all. He's, he's all right, he's all right. But I, don't, I honestly don't know what he's done. What he's done since? Um, well, he's only did Goonies, really. That's about Goonies. That was it. Oh, this film reminded me of Goonies because Goonies is really episodic, and I'm not remotely interested. Can, can I can, can I can I say something that's really controversial? We said it on a previous podcast. 
Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna say the same as you. <laughs> yeah. uh, neither of us like it, Chris. Me or you? No, no, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I think it's overrated, Goonies. I, th- I think it's a flat-out bad film, actually. I'm somewhere. I'm somewhere in the middle. I mean, yeah, it's one of those iconic movies of the '80s, but it's a little bit overrated. But it's, it's good fun. It's a good action. You know, go watching it when you're not a kid, though. That's, and don't that's have what it is. nostalgia for it. It's <laughs> fucking awful. And the thing is, I think I said this at the time. I'm not that kids aren't always that interested in what kids are up to. There's nothing aspirational in that, really. Uh, you might get the odd scene, like short round driving the car, but like as a kid, I was watching stuff like Back to the Future, which is at least somebody playing a teenager or something. I don't care what fucking really young kids are up to. The and, and, and nearly every and nearly everyone's crap in it, except Robert Darby, of course, who was like <laughs> you know sexy and amazing, Chris. Let's um, get him on the show at some point. That that is an odd film because it, it starts with um, essentially like a, a a prison breakout, and it's quite um, straight and and adult looking. Like it it, it it feels like you're watching like a, at least a fifteen certificate film at the start of the film, you know. It's quite a serious, not like a non-kiddy film. And there's a dick joke in it. <laughs> where they break, break the dick off that thing and put it on the wrong way. And it's like, we'll all be pissing in each other's faces. Which is the only bit of the film I can really remember now, because that's funny. And it has another Willie in it, King Willie. He oh, hasn't yeah. acted, he, he's not acted since 2002. And he's got a grand total of eight different credits after The Goonies. So, And The Goonies was his second after this. Two of those are TV shows, uh, or two of them were repeating roles, and he was in Head of the Class about five or six years after this. But, yeah, he, he didn't go on to do much in this business. I mean, it, it's not to say he wasn't successful doing something else. I don't know. I'm, I'm never a fan of kid actors myself. It's like, it's like when they bring out uh, Britain and Britain's Got Talent and that's Fat Dino and like, they bring on like these, these kid singers, and it's... Uh... And everyone goes, oh, he's adorable. And I think, no, it's, it's not. It's exploitative of adults, so it's doubly exploitative of kids. It, well, it's just like, don't, let's not kid yourself. Yes, he's good for a six-year-old, but come on. But he's a six-year-old. Yes. You know. Uh, <laughs> uh, it says he's now a... IMDb trivia now says he's a martial artist. He's working as a stunt coordinator. And it says recently, well, this film was ages ago, so this is out of date. But it says recently worked with Jet Li on The One. Well, The One's about 15 years old. Yeah. But yeah, he was work- he was training people in martial arts at one point. But hey, most, most kid actors don't go on to be very much in, in acting terms. It's quite rare. And, and he's not the most annoying kid I've ever seen. It is odd, that, because... Um... Because even like the uh, the actor who's played Joffrey in Game of Thrones, he he says he's given up on acting. Yeah. And uh, even like in the imagine re- doing that must have been quite grueling for him though, because he was quite young. Well, I imagine, but it's just like he got got to think these these kids are like growing up doing a job, and then probably like get to a certain age where you think, well, that's not what I actually want to do anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah so... People like I say, Jake Lloyd that we mentioned earlier, and people like um, who's Matilda? I can't remember her name. No, I uh, can't. Mar- 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 Wilson, I know like that sort of killed, yeah, Mar- killed Wilson. Of, uh, that's the one, yeah, the 90s. Oh, yeah, she was everywhere like, well, then, wasn't she? Yeah, she was, and now I think she's, well, she's in the Bojack Horseman for one, but she does lots of other bit parts here and there, and, mm. you know, she does things off-screen. She's more involved 
you know, behind the scenes, as it were. Uh, Jake, Jake Lloyd's been in trouble with the law. And yeah, I he's had like drug problems. He, he's really? I believe he may have even been diagnosed with schizophrenia. And he went off the ropes a little bit, bless him. Really? Yeah, he, but he, he says that it ruined his life. And, you know, maybe it did. I, I don't want to judge him on it. It's like too uh, much too young, maybe. I don't and know. And we, we forget their people sometimes when we slag them yeah. off in certain roles. I will, when we get to Star Wars, I will be reasonably tough on him. But, yeah, the fact is they cast a then eight-year-old when he was acting in it. I think he turned nine during the production, and it's like, well, it's the filmmaker's fault for putting him there. Cast Anakin older, you know. See, I remember him being interviewed um, back in the back in the day when when Star Wars, when the Phantom Menace was getting released, and I, he always struck me as actually quite astute for a young kid. I always thought he's quite, uh, you know, quite. I mean, I'm not, you know, forget about his acting skills, you know, because I don't think you really judge acting really when you not you, with that, kids, yeah, no. no. And again, he's far from the worst I've ever seen. And the, the bits that really irritate me is him saying really something shit that shouldn't have been put in his mouth in the first. <laughs> it's, it's the dialogue, yeah. if anything. It's yeah, the... so he's not good, but, you know, very few very few child actors in terms of quality are like Hayley Joel Osment. Yeah. There aren't many of those around. And he's coming but, back. Uh, Where is he now? He's, he's in stuff. He's acting again now. He took yeah. a break. He's, he's, yeah. In, yeah. He's, he's in Kevin Smith films and things like that. Oh. He basically looks exactly the same, but chubbier and a bit longer hair. Yeah, he's, he's oh. just basically been scaled up. He's <laughs> oh, um, been working out. I think he took a slightly defective form of the Super Soldier Serum. I think, he <laughs> yeah. just, I think, I think like Captain America, he went in there a little kid and just came out a much bigger one. <laughs> oh. I'm sure he still looks cute. Um, he doesn't, I trust no. me. <laughs> okay. But hey, people, you know, people change. I don't want to be too hard on any of these people. No, and no, Jonathan no. Lee Kwan is absolutely fine in this film. I just wish he wasn't in this film. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? He's memorable for that role. I mean, he'll forever be known a short round. And yes, for, he will. You know, for Goonies you were and about like that, to so. say and for, and then you remembered you couldn't think of his character name in the Goonies. No, which, See, which, would it, have under, have... which would have undermined your arguments. <laughs> He'd be forever <laughs> remembered as, as the Chinese kid in the Goonies. As, as Data. That's his name, Data. <laughs> I just remembered his name. That's it. All right. Doesn't trip off the tongue as quickly as Short Round, though. Cause no, I, but I know we've just watched it, but we would have always known that. And the last time I saw the Goonies was probably 2004, so quite a while ago now. So. Oh, really? You were at college by then or something. You've been about 19. No, I know, but I, just, I literally haven't seen it. I was trying to think, when's the last time I saw that movie? Um, yeah. For some reason, I think we watched it. You know, when I, I was a I did, bit of weed to watch the Goonies. No, I did, I did an exchange to America. For some reason, we watched it then, and I was like, hold on a minute, that was about 2004? I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. You didn't fly to America just to watch the Goonies, did you? No, no, we didn't. I flew to Oklahoma to watch Oklahoma. <laughs> Quite an uninspired choice when I think about it. Let's <laughs> add it to our musical section. What, all the musicals? All the musicals, all, 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 the, all musicals. the westerns. <laughs> well, that would come in both, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that comes both, both camps there. But um, I think it's got a much bigger cult following than it does in the States than it does over here, for example. Um, but no, that's that's the reason why it didn't chip off the tongue, just because but obviously the, I've seen. Yeah, but the Goonies was a cash in on stuff like this. Sure, exactly. Attempt to do like exactly. a kid version of it, and I know people on Twitter and people who are following, and some people who are listening to this who probably love the Goonies and fair play to you, but you probably loved it because you saw it as a kid. <laughs> um, it's not a very good film. Yeah, I don't. I just find I don't find it. I just, I, I just didn't hold up. I mean, I don't. I just remember watching it and thinking it was just all all over the place and just like. It just wasn't, I think, 
why does everyone love this film so much? But then, you know, I, I you are right, it's nostalgia. It's like the Burbs. I think Burb, Burb I, maybe I need to rewatch the Burbs, but yeah. um, I just thought that was a bit overrated for for what for what it it you know. Maybe we can take that, make it, make it, make it into a new kind of section. Maybe take some movies like from our past or from our childhood or ones that we've liked previously, and we are seeing them again, watch them again, and think, hmm, you know, do they still stand the test of time or do they think, ah? It yeah, depends it what, as well, some of the films are going to be covered in different series. Cause yeah, exactly. you would include possibly some of the Star Wars films in that and so on. Well, we're doing Star Wars separately. But some of the smaller films that didn't become series, when I think of things like Big and talking to Tom Hanks and The Money Pit and stuff like that. I've not seen The Money it's Pit. It's hilarious. The Money Pit has two or three really funny bits in it. I don't think it's that good, but as the name suggests, he and Shelley Long are married and they buy a house and it becomes a money pit. It's in a real Everything shit. Everything goes wrong. And everything goes wrong. Yeah, and it actually nearly breaks them up and stuff. But there are bits of it that are funny. So, yeah, Temple of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> that says it all about this film. Fair We're enough. talking about other 80s films. No, that but we've I, I, I like this theory. If, if we get... St- when- when we get stuck on a, on on a film that doesn't that is necessarily that's quite thin on plot, we just go on a tangent about something. It'll be fine. Just talk about other films <laughs> from that era. Yeah, just talk about other stuff. You know, this was this film did very well. It, it, it took about fifty five million less than than Raiders. Raiders took nearly three ninety. This took about three hundred and thirty something. And it, it did, didn't do as well, but it was still very popular. But it was the third highest grossing film in the North American box office of that year. Now. One of the other, the number two doesn't surprise me at all. It's Ghostbusters. But the number one really does. The highest grossing film at the American box office in 1984 was Beverly Hills Cop. I love Beverly Hills Cop. I love it, but it's R-rated, isn't it? Well, you know, that just goes to show, you know, R-rated to still be a bit box office smash. I I wouldn't have expected that. Mind well, you, this, these days they'd have made not it by today's standards. No, well, you know, our ratings. I mean, this year, Deadpool. You know, I mean, I think isn't Deadpool like one of the biggest? Yeah, but it's not the highest grossing film of the year. Oh, well, what's the highest grossing film of the year? Well, uh, is it which one is it? Well, I don't know yet. We're not at the end of the year, are okay, we? Okay, well, well, so far we're going to have a Star Wars film out at the end of the year. We've had, I, th- I would think, Captain America: Civil War is probably the highest of grossing worldwide of the year so far. But oh. we've still got Finding Dory to come out in this country. It's already out in America. We've mm. got. Um, We've got, as I say, we've got, um, well, Batman Superman is probably second to that at the moment. But that really underperformed. Went, I mean, it underperformed, but it opened massive and it mm. still grossed well. Just not as well as a film with those two characters in should. But yeah, so this this film did very, very well. But it's five years until we see it again. It's five years again until we, we get the next one. And I don't know whether they it was planned after this. I don't think they had. A, I don't think the filmmakers were overly happy with what they produced here. Yeah, I think you know you, you can kind of tell where, how they talk about it um, in the special features. You can kind of like you just talk more, more about the like the experience, and the, and then Spielberg goes like, "Yeah, and I got the girl at the end, hey!" And then that's it, really. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a little bit more technical. You can kind of t- you kind of feel that's where where where, where, the, where the film's at when you know sort of talking about like in depth about the the technical how they pulled off certain things rather than how they actually felt about the thing um, but mm. yeah but i think with next week and and you know spoiler but it is my personal favorite indie film um it's my first cinematic experience watching an indie film 
So I saw, I mean, what I think says it all for me, they came out again. You say it was your first cinematic. It was my second, obviously, because I, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, because Temple of Doom was my first. But it had been such a long gap to this one that Last Crusade almost feels like my first. Yeah. But I went to see it three years ago when they re-released it, around the time of the Blu-rays coming out, I think. But they re-released them, each of them. Um, I don't know if it, it may just have been the first three. And they were like a week or two weeks apart, each of them. So I went to see Raiders, loved it. And I went to see Last Crusade, and I went with a friend of mine who brought his daughter, and I worked out while we were in the car on the way there that she was the exact same age I to the month that I'd been when I'd seen Last Crusade. And um, I just thought it was really great, and just being able to watch it through her eyes because she was absolutely blown away by it. Yeah. And um, But one thing is I didn't go and see Temple of Doom. I, I was going to, and then I couldn't be asked. And I think I stuck the Blu-ray on at home. So I did watch it, but of the three 80s films, I, I couldn't even be asked to get off my sofa for this one. And I do genuinely believe that if you take nostalgia out of it, or if this film is more your type of film than the other ones, but if you like Raiders and you like Last Crusade, I dare say you could almost skip this one. I don't think it's particularly essential. Yeah, but I'd much rather skip the one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For me, it, you could easily split this film into it's two totally different, totally different, completely different films. Um, and it's the divide is so, is so big, I kind of have trouble reconciling them, to be honest. Um, I, I would agree with you, Chris, definitely. Uh, Last Crusade is, for me, um personal favourite. Um, I kind of rank them in random order. Um, I don't... I don't think I saw... Yeah, Crystal Skull, I think, was like, the first indie film that I saw in the cinema. I don't think I've ever seen any of them on the big screen, as far as I know. As far as I can remember, anyway. Um, well, I've said one way or another, I've seen them all that way now. Yeah. yeah. Restored. I should say I'm I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, I, I enjoyed Raiders. Raiders is huge fun. Um, this film, I mean, I, you know, not to say I still enjoyed it, but there isn't much to go on, sadly. Um, but then, Last Crusade is probably, if not one of my all-time favourite films, if not my favourite indie movie. Um, so I'm looking forward to that next week. Great. So that's Temple of Doom, folks. We we are moving on to. I think we we would all agree a better film next week. And I think the week after, there's just more to say about Crystal Skull, because like it or hate it, there's more there. This is just... There's more the booth for your book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And CGI monkeys and hamsters and... Goats Ray and Winston. Gophers. Oh, yeah, I Ray Winston. So. <laughs> I hope he's not in the next one. Not Ray Winston. He, die, he dies in four, doesn't he? But Shia LaBeouf, I hope he's not in the, the fifth one. I hope, no, he's going to be replaced by Chris Pack. I hope it's the buff curtains. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mm. take a bow, take a bow, Dave. <laughs> oh dear, I managed to get a beef curtains joking. All right, <laughs> Becca, raise the tone by teaching us something. Do you was... have any fun facts? I do. I got five fun facts. Wow, there's a temple in my pants. Come on, Carl, check that. <laughs> Okay, it's fan fact number one. <laughs> um, yeah, as discussed, obviously it's Kate Capshaw's second theatrical movie. Um, she had to criticise her role as a screaming dumb blonde, which is pretty much spot on. Fun fact number two, obviously as we mentioned at the start of the movie, um, the writers and filmmakers were inspired by sort of the um, 
early kind of Hollywood musicals or the RKO musicals, Molly Brothers and that of the 30s and 40s. Um, I think in particular, obviously, um, Gunga Din, which kind of has the same similar plot lines. Obviously, you've got um, British um, army adventurers battling against thuggy thugs, as it were, um, in colonial India. Obviously, the locations found were actually for this film were found in India, but sadly enough, they couldn't shoot there. So it's mainly around, in around Sri Lanka, and then, as we mentioned, other back, you know, backload of Paramount and LC Studios. But you, you know, you wouldn't know. I wonder how it would have looked had they actually got permission to shoot in India. Uh, yeah, but they just had to find somewhere and Matt painted the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. So it might, basically, when they got to Pankot, it might have looked a bit more real because mm. they might have they might have found something a little bit more in keeping. I don't actually think it would have been that much different. No, I mean this sets are very terrifying, but it's very obvious it's a set and as it was aware. I mean, like the actual temple itself. I mean, it looks beautiful, but it's you can tell it's artificial, which is a shame. Well, I just associate, I mean, Bond, when I think of Bond, he can be in like a casino or he can be anywhere. And whilst you do want to see him outside because of the locations, but I, I do think of, when I think of India, I think of like jungles and, and you know, deserts. deserts and, and, you know, I, I just think of it as a very outdoor series. So this jars a little bit. It's all right. You can, yeah, we can, you know, go, go indoors. It's fine. It's allowed yeah. indoors. I'm not saying <laughs> <laughs> What were you born in a barn? <laughs> <laughs> Not allowed indoors. But for the creepy crawly tunnel, the production used ten thousand snakes, fifty thousand cockroaches, and over three over thirty thousand beetles, which I think is pretty gross. How many actually died from being stepped on? Um probably much more. <laughs> Not very nice much at all. More. But I- <laughs> Many more. especially over those figures we used. So, but yeah, over that. No, yeah, I imagine quite a few of them. Obviously, I hopefully they've had in, you know insect wranglers um, prepared, you know, behind the scenes to to sort that out. So, um, but anyway, for the for the dinner scene, luckily the bugs unused in that scene were plastic. Obviously, the the edible innards were made out of custard, and the same as the chilled monkey brains are actually made out of custard and raspberry sauce. So delicious. And that's my five fun facts. Yeah, well, that's why monkeys just have, don't rule the world or anything. Their brains are made of custard and fucking <laughs> and sauce. And sauce. <laughs> well, I think we. I think Poor it's monkeys. fair to say that's fun, folks. Becca. Where can you find us on social media? You can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. You can find me at uh, at Cinematronics on Twitter, uh, and uh, this podcast is on my website, which is cinematronicsco.uk. You can follow me if you want at our view movies. But you can find us at Expect Us to Talk. Also, have a search for us in iTunes. Vote for us, and that will make us rank higher in the searchings. Yes, please just um, just give us a, a ranking out of five. You know, so so the high, five. Yeah, so preferably five if you like us that much. Um, you know, give us a good review because it, it does help. So we can do that on Stitcher as well. Any 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 way you can, you can sort of just help. Just. You know, introduce the podcast to new people, see if they like it, they want to hear us swear for two hours each week, it's fine. Well, we're followed by Oxford University graduates and all sorts. Yeah. Mm, classy, they, classy. They, 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 they appreciated the dry wit of my Beef Curtains jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook at Expected to Talk, and you can also email us, Expected to Talk at email. No, that's wrong. Expected to Talk at gmail.com. <laughs> you can gmail us at okay. email.com I'm going to say that again because the water went down the wrong way <laughs> yeah I'm leaving it in so carry on expect us to talk at gmail.com do it now you know you want to you know you want to you know you want to. <laughs> do it do it
Do it now! Do it! Do it now! <laughs> I fully expect next week's episode to be fucking awesome. Which means, Becca! <gasps> I fell off my chair. <laughs> <laughs> You're that excited! I fell off my chair starring Ted Danson! <laughs> That actually sounds like it could exist. <laughs> I fell off my chair with Ted Danson, really. That was my first name into my head. It just sounds like what it sounds like a shit early nineties film he would have done, probably. It does. Prior to well, after doing Three Men and a Baby or whatever it was. It's gonna have to be a really fucking awesome pitch though, wouldn't it? I mean, if you, if you went in to pitch a film called I Fell Off My Chair, you'd have to have some really fucking well-thought-out ideas. It's like, how, how big a star was Ted Danson to be in films? Because he was in a few eight, like, early 90s films. Like... In the early 90s, he was the highest-paid TV star in the world. Really? Yeah, because he was on Cheers. Of course. Yeah, but he was in things like Getting Even With Dad and things like that. And Made in oh, America. Yeah. Didn't Ted Danson actually date Whoopi Goldberg? Yeah, he did while they were making that. Then he went. Then he went off. He's married to Mary. Uh, no, he's not. I was Mary Steenburgen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I'll tell you who else dated Whoopi Goldberg. Dalton. Did he? Yeah. Apparently, briefly, obviously, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. How, why are you suggesting he doesn't last very long? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. why I added the obviously that was just. Did he send her to the bar? Didn't mean anything. Did he send her to the bar? Yeah, we, he, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's ladies' man. He, you know, he, 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 I like short stays. You know, what can I say? All right. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to cut any of that, but we will try it again. Becca! <laughs> we will return with Last Crusade.